Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Halloween edition of the Coaster Challenge Podcast. <laughs> and here are your hosts, David Cantu, Jenna Cassell. Hey, how's it going, Jenna? Great, David. How's it going? It's going good. Going good. Happy end of September. Ooh, we're getting closer to Halloween. Uh, October is around the corner, but the Halloween season has already begun, and we are really, I mean, the parks this year have really gone on. I wouldn't just say parks. I would say Halloween. I think everybody this year is really in the Halloween spirit, more than I've ever seen before, because I will tell you, last year was really hard, because there was really nothing well that's because they limited everything i mean we could they were trying to get rid of trick-or-treating and people were trying to come up with better ways to give away candies and i mean i remember watching videos last year of people coming up with like delivery systems where they would be standing on their porch or at their front doors and they would have these like zip lines for candy baskets and the kids could get the candy from the baskets that's cool. I mean, this year, I think it's one of those people are kind of like realizing like, wow, this really can happen. We can really lose our holidays. Coming up with these inventive ideas on how to deliver do a delivery system was kind of cool seeing, but it kind of also lost like that having the kid, you know, the little kids come up to the door and knock on just, the door. It's not just about the trick or treating though. Like for us, like my family, we, we really go all out for Halloween. And I will tell you, the stores this year, especially Home Depot, Spirit Halloween, Lowe's, Target, they have really, even Big Lots, have so much incredible Halloween decorations and animatronics and all this stuff. I mean, my family, we go all out for Halloween and we're even going even bigger this year. In fact, Jenna's been helping me this year, uh, this month, this past month, helping me decorate our our, our business. And uh, I'm really looking forward to sharing all this with kids this year for Halloween. I, I I don't even know how you're on top this year, but if well, it I will requires you, me putting together another damn well, thing. I well, will, I, will, I will tell you, though, some of the Halloween decor that is out this year, especially at Home Depot, we were able to get one, but I swear to God, Jen, it was like Black Friday because the stores like to release their Halloween stuff online early. Like, they, like Home Depot started releasing it back in mid-July. Every year, Home Depot seems to have some key Halloween decor that people find fight for and my mom and I were able to get one but we end up getting this 12 foot tall pumpkin flaming pumpkin skeleton because last year we had our 12 foot skeleton which I named Wally and uh, we were like well Wally needs a companion so we ended up, Home Depot had this 12 foot pumpkin skeleton and you couldn't find him you could not find him luckily thank God because I used to be a manager for Home Depot I still know some people in there and there were some stores locally in my area that had some in the overhead and we were able to put one on will call but before they even set up for the Halloween stuff in the store, Jen, those pumpkin skeletons were already gone. They didn't even hit the floor. They were already sold out. Right. So, I mean, it's like there are like everybody is getting into the Halloween spirit. And speaking of Halloween spirit, we've got a very special guest that actually loves and lives by Halloween. And we've got Winston and Winston handles Screamageddon down in Florida. And Andrew is standing by with him today. And they've got some really he's got a really fun Halloween event they, they put on every year down in Florida. And I can't wait to hear about it. 
right? It's, so. it, it, I, I'm kind of like Halloween struck <laughs> with everything and how everybody's doing Halloween this year. I mean, I, with us going to Knott's Berry Farm yeah. and doing that, the one park I want to do their Halloween haunt thing is Disneyland. I know the tickets are expensive, but that's the one park that I haven't hit in California for their Halloween. At least um, I'm going to get a go and get a check out the Oogie, Oogie Boogie Bash. I've never done a Disney event like that, so this is going to be a lot of fun. I know Iva, the whole team's been in California, and we're going to be having fun going to experience the Oogie Boogie Bash, and I was actually amazed I was still able to get tickets, because right. usually Disney events tickets are sold out within a day, right. so I'm really shocked on that. So, But we've got, like I said, we got an incredible guest coming up, but first, we are going to do our Halloween edition of the YouTube Highlight, Highlight Clip, Clip of, of the Week. It's the YouTube Highlight Clip of the Week. Halloween edition. <laughs> Alright, so this week's YouTube Highlight Clip of the Week Halloween edition, we are going to take a time to talk about Six Flags Fright Fest. And I will tell you guys, uh, at Six Flags Magic Mountain, which is my home park, I go, they put on a really good Fright Fest every year, and they've always invited us here at the podcast to a special media event. And Jenna and I actually got to attend the 2019 media event, which was a lot of fun. You want to share a little about that, Jen? Oh my God. We know how much I... I love not having control of my surroundings. <laughs> when they did that, I think my anxiety level was super high and it took me a while to kind of come down and get that under control. If you remember, we kind of had to go off away from the scare zones just so that way I could kind of regroup and be like, okay, because my heart was racing just with the opening ceremonies and them dispersing everybody into the group. Yeah, I like how they make it where, so the one thing about Six Flags is there are safe zones and there are scare zones. But unfortunately, when you're walking through the park, they make it where you have to walk through the scare zone. Right. When you walk through the scare zones, you don't know what you're going to walk in because each one has a different theme. And I will say that during the media preview, I'm glad to say that I got to at least walk through behind the scenes of one of the mazes at Six Flags back in 2019. I don't know if it's going to be back this year. I'm pretty sure it will, but there was a maze that they had it was it was kind of cool but kind of creepy it was like a house that was looked like it had been abandoned for over 20 plus years and the people that lived in the house disappeared everything was left behind all the furniture all their stuff food in the kitchen you name it it was all supposed to be still in this house imagine food in a kitchen sitting on a dining room table sitting in a refrigerator no power sitting there for 20 years rotting Ugh. That turns into slush after a while. Oh, it was. And it's funny is that the how they did it is that it smelled like it was abandoned, like everything wilting. And you go in the kitchen, everything is all rotten. There's like roaches everywhere and all that stuff. And just seeing the refrigerator door open and just seeing all the maggots and all the, the food rotting. And I was like, wow, that is some detail work. Whoever designed that really put a lot of craftsman work into doing that because that takes time. Me, someone who does professional Halloween decorating, when you're doing detail stuff like that, it takes time. And I guarantee you that took a year to do. Right. No, I I can just imagine the smell in there of like 
rotted food and stuff. Because I know I've come across, you know, you forget like a bag of potatoes I had uh, had at a friend's house when I was cleaning out his house. He had fruit flies. And we were trying to figure out where they were. And I go into a cabinet, open up the cabinet, and start pulling stuff out. And there was a bag of potatoes that had liquefied. Wow. And it was just like, ooh, okay, that's gross. You know, you see all the fruit flies come out and it's like, okay, I found your problem. Yeah. <laughs> so I could just imagine what that would smell like of like rotted milk and oh no. Yeah. I mean, they did a good job on the, the, the from sound effects to the smell. It was like, wow, you could just just when you walk through that maze, walk through this house, you can just tell that it's really smelled like it was abandoned for 20 plus years. It's very uh, really amazing how they do it. I will say Six Flags works very hard to do their maze as well. They try to, they're, they're, they're really trying to get up there with Universal, with Not Scary Farm, uh, with even Disney at some points, you know, like they've, I know one maze they kind of were trying to like doing like the, almost like the Haunted Mansion type, but it was more twisted, more crazier, you know, and uh, so I'm really really curious to see what they have in store this year uh we've been invited to the media event over at six flags fright fest and i uh, look forward to seeing that yeah most definitely but yes i will say that every park rather right, it's six flags even sea world entertainment sea world parks doing hallow screams and stuff this is like everybody is getting into the halloween spirit this year which is really awesome because i it felt like there were many years i felt like the halloween spirit was kind of dwindling at times it definitely seemed like that like i remember when we were kids it's it was like every house on the block and it didn't matter how many blocks you went it was just like every other house or every house they were handing out candy or they were decorating and it just seems like it kind of faded it's like faded out like people aren't as interested in it and then all of a sudden covid comes and all of a sudden it's a 180 all of a sudden like everybody's getting into the spirit this year and i'm really excited to see what everybody has plans but six flags fright fest definitely really really worth going i really enjoyed it for somebody who's not big on <laughs> on fright on halloween events at parks who has finally gotten into loving them because i've myself gotten into the halloween spirit they're actually pretty fun to go to so we're definitely going to be highlighting a youtube clip of fright fest in our show notes so you guys can take a look at it side note anybody that has anxiety problems or that are empaths definitely prepare yourself for any of these things because i know for me being an empath it was really hard well as like i said you gotta remember it's all in good fun it is they're all people they're not really out there to kill you (laughs) <laughs> so, like I say. But anyway, guys, th- we're going to put the, the lovely clip of Fright Fest in our show notes. But until then, this was a really good Halloween version of the YouTube Two Highlight Clip, clip of, of the Week. It's the YouTube Highlight Clip of the Week Halloween Edition. All right, so Andrew is standing by with Winston from Screamageddon, and it's going to be a really fun interview, guys. I hope you take the time to listen to it. Uh, Take it away, Andrew. Thank you, David and Jenna. This is Andrew, one of the producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast. Today we have a special guest here in hot season to talk to today. I'm uh, happy to be sitting down with Winston McDaniel. He's one of the people in charge of the Screamageddon, which is a very large independent haunt here in Florida. Let's talk with Winston. How are you doing, Winston? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Getting excited for haunt season. That's for sure. Yeah. It's probably one of my favorite times of year. Right around the corner. Yeah. Yes. Right around the corner. We can't wait. Awesome. Generally, we do our interviews. We kind of have two parts to them. So we're going to start with our typical 
kind of first part of our interview just to kind of get to know you as a person a little bit. I will ask you something a little more specific related to the fact that you work in the Han industry. And then the second half, I want to talk and dig into your experience with Hans and with Screamageddon. We'll be certainly talking about what Screamageddon is about and so forth. But actually, to start off with, you might want to start with that a little bit. Let's, uh, how about you tell our, your, our audience here, tell us about yourself and your involvement in the independent haunt arena. Yeah. So I uh, started working for Screamageddon. I guess now it's this coming up in my fourth season. So I've three or four years now and pretty much got into the business through the marketing angle, kind of came in as a graphic designer, kind of pretty fresh out of school, uh, out of college. And I have always had like a big affinity for haunted house attractions, love going to them all over the country that I've been to. And so finally found an angle to do work in marketing or advertising, which is what I went to school for and my love for haunted houses and found this opportunity and went with it. Because I guess like the interesting story with that is like when I was in high school, I put on like my very, my own haunted house. Like I was in charge of like our school recreational room. It was like a place where students could buy like food and like stuff like that because it was a boarding school. And, oh. I, and, I, and I created a whole haunted house inside that whole recreational room. And that's like, I realized how much fun it is to like create this experience of spooking people and making and scaring people and make them have a good time around the Halloween season. Cause that's when it's like socially acceptable to scare people is Halloween. <laughs> so then I basically just kind of found my way into Screamageddon all these years later. And yeah, and I love working it, working it. It's, it's a really interesting field to work in. You know, my Google search history is very strange. When it comes to researching stuff for work, you know, bloody clowns, spooky things like that, scary music. And, but uh, it's, it's a good time. Right. So I can imagine if someone didn't understand the context, in some cases, maybe someone seeing your search history might think uh, he might be a therapist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? There might be. Um, I remember once I was working on, on some graphics for of like of a clown image or something like in public. And to me, I'm very like uh, flat on how, how all of this looks. And someone walked behind me and was like shocked about what I was working. I'm like, no, no, don't. <laughs> I mean, let me explain. I work for this company. <laughs> right. And, um, it, it was it was a good time. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, our audience, you know, we have a lot of coaster enthusiasts, coaster fans, theme park fans in general. So a lot of our mm-hmm. audience is probably certainly familiar with theme park haunts, whether it be, you know, Six Flags Fright Fest or, you know, the similar types of events that are at Cedar Fair Parks or, you know, Hollow Scream, like they have at, at Bush Gardens. And now they're having at SeaWorld as well. Or of course, Halloween Horror Nights, not Scary Farmer. Probably those are the two biggest theme park haunts right there. Two of my personal favorites, certainly. There's another side to haunts that some of our audience should be familiar with, which is mm-hmm. where I think you come in with Screamageddon. So why don't you just briefly tell our audience what Screamageddon is about, what it is? Yeah. So to kind of build off, like, obviously we're not attached to a theme park. So we are, you know, you, I guess you would call it an independent haunt. Like, you know, we are, that's the company we are. We are Screamageddon. Basically, so Screamageddon is an independent haunt in Dade City, Florida. It's about a little bit north of Tampa Bay, Florida. It is a seasonal haunted house attraction throughout September and October. So we put on uh, five haunted houses and then one zombie paintball assault is kind of like the add-on experience that we have. That's not particularly scary, but it is definitely a part of the whole uh, horror experience that we like to put on. One of the benefits of being an independent haunt is we get to, I think we get to focus a lot on why people come out to these things, which is the scares and to the whole art of being scared and doing that in a way that's fun and not mean. And there's a really big difference, in my opinion, between trying to terrify someone and trying to scare them. And we try to scare people um, maybe in a terrifying way, but not trying to terrify people to where they, you know, can't sleep or something. Right, right. And certainly we're going to dive deeper into what Screamageddon is all about. I personally have experienced it. I love it. And I relate to some of my personal experiences that I've had there and kind of relate it to, you know, you're creating it and managing it. 
on your end. It'd be interesting to talk about that later. But let's put that particular topic on hold for the time being. We're going to talk a little bit more about you and your experience just enjoying theme parks in general. And then we'll dive back mm-hmm. into all the haunt stuff big time here. Sure. Thing. So my first question, sure, sure. My first question for you is, I remember you mentioned before we got started with the recording that you grew up here in Florida. This is, you know, the theme park capital of the world. Amazing world-class theme parks, several of them here in, in the Orlando and Tampa area. What was your very first theme park attraction you remember experiencing growing up? Oh, man. Okay. it's I don't remember the name of the roller coaster, but I remember... it. Was, even though I grew up here in Florida, I was born in Houston, Texas. And there used to be a Six Flags, I think it was called Astro World. Yes. In, uh, in Houston. And yes. I'm pretty sure it's not there anymore. It's not. And, yeah. Yeah. And I remember I must, I mean, I must have been earlier, younger than six. And I remember there was one, they had a, it was probably a kid coaster, but to me, it was larger than life. And I, I rode some sort of serpent coaster there, I think maybe like 20 times in a row, my parents were like, we need to leave. And I said, no, we're going to stick here. Uh, this is me. <laughs> but I think to, to move there to Florida, where I probably have a, my first like love of a ride and our attraction here. And we can you know, kind of go into this later if you want, because like I too was got very nervous about a lot of rides in, in terms of uh, coasters and stuff like that. But the one roller coaster that kind of jived with me through up until I kind of got over that fear was the Revenge of the Mummy coaster at Universal Studios. And that one was, and I, again, much like when I was a kid on that serpent roller coaster in Astro World, uh, rode that thing again and again and again. But I was with my friends, they were cool with it. And my parents were trying to get me out of there or anything. All right. Those are good two starting ones. So you have one of those probably what it sounds like, and I've never been to Astro World. I never got to go there before it went away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. The way you're describing it, it sounds kind of like what we call a dragon wagon. It, mm-hmm. Again, maybe you were too young, but was it a powered coaster or did it actually have a lift hill or? It, and it had a lift hill. It was really, I mean, to me, it was big, but it was probably tiny. <laughs> right. Okay. So like a junior kids coaster. Got it. Got it. But Definitely. then, right. The first one. That, so I guess what it sounds like the first coaster that you really resonated with, certainly beyond being just a kid, was Wrench of the Mummy at Universal Orlando, right? Yeah. And that probably maybe dived in a little bit to my I love the movie. And then, you know, I mean, if you, you know, if you're not familiar with the ride, like it's so, it builds in like the, you know, the theming of like a theme park, you know, like it, it was more than just going quick. It was the story that was involved in the ride and the, the effects and the fire and all that kind of stuff kind of made it all cool. And then it was the fun at the end of with the actual speed and stuff like that. Right, right. And I would say that Revenge of the Mummy, I've been on both. Certainly a lot of people compare the Hollywood version versus the Orlando one. And for me, it's there is hands down no comparison. The Orlando one is much better. It's simply, like Walt said, a blessing of size. Mm-hmm. The the one in Hollywood, they're limited in space in general, and they had to fit it into an existing building. I think that went into the old ET building, whereas the one in Orlando, they had more room to work with, with the confrontation building, because again, it's Florida. It was a bigger attraction, bigger show building. So they were able to fit it, fit it in better and certainly do more with it. You already alluded to this and it's, and I know you said you never got the questions in advance, but you're already kind of predicting where we're going. We talked about kind of what your first couple of attractions were, and it could have been one of the ones we just talked about, could have been another one. Let's talk about the theme park attraction, could be a coaster, different kind of ride, whatever it may be, that has scared you the most before you got on it. So we're going to dive into that. First of all, what would be the one that has scared you the most over the years? Oh man. Okay. This, this is a great question. Scared me the most. It's funny. Cause like, um, I like, cause I, I, like I said before, I did used to have a fear of rides and I'm still like, I'm still not perfect in that regard. And I'm it, it, like, if I don't go to a theme park for a while, I feel like I kind of like, I lose a little bit of that. Like, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Like a little bit of uh, courage. I, I start, I forget what it, 
what it's like to be on a big roller coaster, right? Because like, especially after 2020, you know, I didn't go on any, any rides because, you know, who did? And I went, right. went on a ride for the first time and I still had that kind of like a little bit of, uh, I guess, nervousness going on it. But um, to go back to the very first, like where I, when I got over it was over in, actually back in Texas, at the one in Arlington, Six Flags, Texas. Yeah, the, that's the original. That's the original Six Flags okay. over Texas. Yeah. Right. So I remember, I remember I I was driving there with, with the, the person I was going with and the person I was with, she was like a big coaster enthusiast and we, we showed up and she pointed at their, um, I think it's called Goliath, the really big one over in there. I think it's called Goliath. I don't remember what it's called, but it's one of the 250 feet tall. Uh, coasters. Yeah. Massive. Have you been to Magic Mountain by chance ever in California? No, not in California. Okay, because there's Goliath in Magic Mountain, and it's basically its twin. It's made by both these coasters are hyper coasters that are over 200 feet tall that were made yeah. by a company called Giandola. Not a very common coaster manufacturer, at least here in the U.S. There is Goliath in California at Magic Mountain, and then there's Titan, which is the same, basically almost the same coaster in, mm-hmm. in Texas. Was this one that it didn't go upside down? Did it have a big helix I think, in, it in the middle? Yeah, I think I think I think your was tight then. Yeah, yep. very similar. That's tight. <laughs> yep, yep. So, yep. so I remember she she pointed. She's like, "You're going to ride that today." I said, "You're out of your mind." There's no way I'm riding that today. <laughs> and she did a really great job. She started me on the smallest coaster there, and just kind of worked my way up. The second every time I would get in line for the next one, my car. This is the final one that I'm doing today. Like I'm done after this. Thought so I'd do it and want to do the next one and the next one. And by the end of the day, I you know I rode it and it was a great time. And then I from then on I got back to Florida and I wanted like a, a track of all the roller coasters in Florida. You know I went did she grab Bush Gardens, which I was terrified to do because it's you know for those who don't know it's 200 feet tall, like a straight 90 degree drop. Not about it. Did that and did a bunch of those. So it was, that was kind of getting over that fear of uh, probably the most scared to get on that. And then in probably in a funnier way, it was a couple of years ago, I remember being utterly terrified to go on Tower of Terror at, at Disney World. And, and I remember being like, right. yeah, and being like, like weirdly, someone who likes horror and likes spooky things and likes roller coasters, I was so nervous to ride that ride. And for some reason, I was just, I put so much into riding that. And, you know, my girlfriend was laughing at me the entire time, but then finally I went and did it and it was a lot of fun. And I love that ride now. Interesting. Okay. A couple things to unpack there. So first of all, you mentioned Titan. You mentioned also Tower of Terror. Of those two, which is, which is the one that scared you the most? Most of those two. I'm going to say a Tower of Terror because I think by the time I, I rode Titan, I was like, I had a, a good a good ramp up kind of grinding on that. And I remember I was more excited that I was like, yeah, I'm going to get on this ride and I'm going to do it. And I was kind of excited that I was breaking the fears. Whereas for some reason, Tower of Terror, I just... I just couldn't get on it and then finally forced myself to walk on and rode and had a good time. Okay. Okay. So did you ride Titan before Tower of Terror? Yes. To make it even to make it even funnier in my mind. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned earlier about Titan that you were scared to get on it. You got on it, kind of built yourself up to it with your friend was kind of helping you with that. So anyway, so your, your friend is an enthusiast. You are not being so much of an enthusiast at the time, certainly. She's kind of working you up, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned after riding Titan that that was kind of the coaster that really got you into coasters and then you're basically were riding any coaster out there after that really liking it yeah it was kind of like the way that i saw it is i rode titan you know it's like 250 feet tall or whatever because for if you haven't picked up a lot of its height right. and i've kind of and i've kind of uh, honed it it's not it's not height it's the it's falling from great heights like i can be right. high i think it's cool but it's the falling aspect of it that i don't like so if a roller coaster even today if a coaster has like a pretty wicked drop i'm, I'm a little apprehension apprehension to get on it where it's like i like rides that have other ways of, of gaining speed i guess you could say but yeah titan was the one who i figured if i could ride that i could ride chikra which was 50 feet shorter or 
any of the rides at Busch Gardens, which is the closest theme park to where I live currently. And then everything at Universal wasn't as scary looking as uh, Titan was because, you know, Titan's a pretty massive machine. So, yeah, I guess you could say that's what, you know, broke it open. Right. Because you are you had the fear of, of heights and of falling, which is a very common fear. Oh, yeah. Again, we talk a lot about fear and anxiety and things like that on this podcast, especially with regard to theme parks and rides. There's the fear of going upside down. There's the fear of heights and the fear of heights is very, very common. So it totally mm-hmm. makes sense. Goliath kind of like it really opens you up to, wow, that's a really tall coaster, 250 feet tall. And that allowed you to conquer just about anything after that. I mean, there are certainly, as you may already know, not here in Florida, in especially in Ohio and other parts of the world, there are 300 plus foot tall coasters. There yeah. are even ones over 400 feet, a couple of them in the world. You know, and again, you may have to kind of conquer that fear a little bit again with those. But Absolutely, we'll speaking, have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but largely speaking, you really conquered your kind of fear of coasters and what falling and going down a drop and things like that are like on a coaster. So Tower of Terror, unlike a lot of big time thrill coasters and thrill rides, you're waiting for it, you know, inside the building. You're not, you know, outside there waiting with anticipation, seeing the the elevator doors open to the outside world. You're inside in that inside queue and it's creepy. And I know you love horror. That's all probably fine, like you said earlier. But talk to me as you're going through the queue, seeing all this creepy stuff, knowing you're about to get on this like crazy drop tower ride. What's going through your head that first time? It's funny because like going into Tower of Terror, this is post Winston liking horror stuff. And I'm not sure I was working for Scream again at the time. You know, still loved horror stuff. And I remember like showing up and I was like, I love everything about this ride in terms of how the, the atmosphere down to the fonts used on the signs. Like I loved everything about it. And I was like, I hate that I can't focus focus on the stuff that I like about this ride. Cause all I'm thinking about is those doors opening at the top and me dropping. Right. So like right. it was, I remember being frustrated on myself. Like I wanted to appreciate what I was looking at. Cause you know, how many people in the world did get to go to Disney world and see this cool stuff and then getting on it. And then, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's what, kind of what I was thinking of the entire time. I just couldn't think of, couldn't stop thinking about that drop. Cause I, I don't know if it's true or not. Cause I remember at the time thinking that like it's randomized how tall, how hard, how high up you go. I don't know if that's true or not. Yes. So I was like, I, I was like, they're going to give me the highest one. It's going to be the worst drop. I was being very negative about it. Yeah, I guess that's mainly what I was, as I wanted to appreciate all of like the kind of like the, because the theming in that ride is incredible. I love how they make dirty look cool and, you know, dirty does not (laughs) look cool, but they made it, they make it look rad. So, and it was that, and I, you know, I'm kind of always like the cast members of Disney World are amazing and just kind of like how they're always in character and they don't help you feel more comfortable, you know, (laughs) at least for me as, you know, I was going there as an adult. I I think I've seen with them, they're a little bit better with kids, maybe some kids that are a little bit more nervous, but for adults, they, they weren't necessarily helping me, but yeah, I just, I loved what I saw. And when I've gone on it again, I've been able to kind of just appreciate it for what it is and kind of look at the awesome theming and the story behind it. You know, the ride's like, I mean, you probably know when, when was the ride made? At Tower of Terror, the, the, so the one in, at Hollywood Studios, that's the OG original one. It is very different from all the other ones in the world. I've been on all of them actually. And it opened in, I think it was about 96 or so. Yeah. The fact that the ride still is as effective and cool in now and when it was made back then just shows you know kind of like the coolness that you can do with stuff that's maybe on the more spooky side because you play with darkness and you play with things like that which is a relatively easy thing to work with and it, can, and it has a lasting power that's you know kind of shows you how long that ride could probably stand 
you know, the test of time, in my opinion, in terms of thrill factor and interest factor. Right. After riding it that first time and you had that kind of, again, part of your mind focused, oh God, that drop and everything. So talk to me how you felt, what you were thinking about after you got off that ride the first time. How I got off the first time. I mean, like probably a lot of people who get off that ride, it's laughing hysterically, which is right. probably one of the was one of the funniest things to come out of it is you kind of put so much attention thinking about, you know, the drop and everything like that. And it, and it being, you know, it, I remember thinking that the phrase, and you probably hear this a lot on the show is, oh, that was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It, it's a phrase that's like, oh, the feeling I thought I was going to feel, there's a, a minute of a second that when the doors open, I it was scared. But the second the, the movement started, it was fun, you know, because that's when I started to realize as I was getting off the ride, I was like, okay, these machines while are thrilling are meant to have fun. You know, no one's making you go on a roller coaster or the Tower of Terror to put you through a bad time. They want you to have fun. So you come back. So it's like, I had that realization. I was like, these, these machines are intimidating, but they're fun. They're supposed to be. So I thought at that point, I was like, I really got to stop thinking about these things in a negative way and thinking about them more in a positive way because I live, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to live so close to Disney World that I get to go on it when it's pretty much whenever I want to, where that's not right. the case for everybody else in the world. It's some, for some people, it's, you know, hundreds of dollars to even think about coming to Disney World. But for me, it's a, you know, two hour drive. Right. So talk to me after riding Tower of Terror for that first time, you get off the ride, etc. How did riding Tower of Terror conquering your fears in your biggest way, at least so far in your life on that ride? Did that impact your life in any way or, you know, you know, have any kind of effect you know um and, and well in terms of like 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 theme parks and stuff like that because like as someone who did like I've, I've grown up around theme parks you know my you know my entire life and i've always wanted to appreciate everything they have to offer and a lot of the times i haven't been able to experience all of that right because i've been nervous to ride a ride this ride or that ride when that's maybe a big part of the park right so kind of both instances with the, with the titan roller coaster and that whole experience there in texas and then with the tower of terror in the last uh, five-ish years it's maybe while there may be those negative that those thoughts of being nervous, ultimately, I know that if I just get myself first, get myself in line, get myself on the ride, lock lock in place or whatever the you know safety mechanism is, and then just go, I'm going to in the next, right. I, might, I might be uncomfortable for a minute. But then once, like you said, once the movement starts and the fun kicks in, I'm going to remember all the good stuff. And I'm not going to, and I'm going to get a very nicely laugh at myself for being so nervous about something I know there are much bigger things to be nervous about particularly really thought about, you know, how it's affected my you know life outside of that. Since then, I maybe been a little bit more carefree about not being so worked up about certain things. I could definitely equate that because I have spent so much time being nervous about rides in my life that for that to not be a thing to be nervous about anymore, it lets me focus on things in a more positive way. Right. No, good, good couple points there. So, you know, first of all, you were talking about how having ridden Titan, having ridden Tower of Terror, these, these two attractions that are really big deals in terms of someone who's afraid of heights, afraid of falling. Now, with conquering both, you may still have some of that fear or some of those thoughts going through your mind before getting on an attraction like that in the future. You're not giving it as much attention, right? Yes. Is that what you're saying? That is a good lesson there. And as someone myself, as so many of our guests, so many of people in our audience, so many people in this world, a lot of people think, for example, that the common cold, which is a virus, much like the coronavirus, that is the most common illness. Mm -hmm. There is actually data to suggest the more common illness than the common cold is depression and mental illness mm -hmm. in general. One of the things that therapists teach us, and I use this in my daily life all the time, is if there's something that's bothering us, something that's trying to dominate our mind, like a fear, you don't want to just try to ignore it or just try to push it out of the way. The better approach 
is to give it a little bit of attention, to acknowledge it. For example, in your mind, you could say, okay, I've been on Tower of Terror before. It's scary that first time, but I've really enjoyed it. But here I am, I'm going on this Garden of the Galaxy version I've never been on in Disneyland. And I've heard it's different. I talked to that that guy, Andrew, in this podcast interview, and he said it's different than the one in Florida and it's got a whole different theme and who knows what it's going to feel like. And yeah, I'm a little scared of it because I've never been on that version before. I know that I'm good with this stuff and I trust these theme parks. Their rides are very safe. So I'm, I'm going to acknowledge that I'm afraid of it, but I'm not going to give it, I'm not going to feed that fear, that anxiety. I'm just going to acknowledge it. I'm going to tuck it away. I'm going to let it be there, but I'm not going to feed it. And instead, I'm going to think about, oh, wow, the fun I could have here or wow, look at that really cool theming and all this stuff. That is a really good tool to have in one's toolbox in dealing with depression, anxiety, fear, stress, and things like that is to acknowledge whatever it is that bothers us, but just don't give it too much attention, if that makes sense. So it sounds like that's what you've been doing yeah, since then. That's awesome. So, yeah, because I mean, too, as like a um, as an example of that, because quite recently this year and uh, when with Universal opening up again, again, have not have been on it like a thrill ride in a long time showing up to ride the Velocicoaster, you know, yes. which is intimidating looking if you know, again, if you're like, like me, you don't really like falling from a high in that high top is a little intimidating. It's not the, you know, the worst thing in the world, but it's, it's you know, it's big. It's, you know, very, it's black metal, you know, it's all that sorts of stuff. And I remember being in line for that. And like, I was talking to my, to my girlfriend. I was just like, I was like, I was like, I'm a little nervous to do this. Are you nervous? And she's like, no, I'm like, well, I wish I was you. And I remember kind of was telling myself, okay, cool. I'm a little bit nervous now, but I know the second that we launch wherever the launch is at the time, I didn't know. I, the second that happens, I'm going to be totally on board and I'm going to be so happy. And luckily the line wasn't that long. So I didn't have to be that uncomfortable. And I got into the it pretty much right when, when the shoulder things came down. I think they have shoulder things. I don't remember how. No, no, that one's a lap thing. Lap bar right? only. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So once I put the lap bar down, I was fine. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go. Something about feeling tucked in. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm good. And then I loved it. It was an incredible ride. Nice. Yeah. Velocicoaster is my number one coaster right now. We'll see if that changes once I finally get on Steel Vengeance here in uh, Cedar Point here in a few weeks. But uh, yeah, Velocicoaster is incredible. It's, it's two minutes. It's only a two minute long ride or just over two minutes. Mm -hmm. It's uh, two minutes of Coaster Nirvana. You know, a lot and, happens in two minutes on that ride. Yeah, it's intense. Yeah, again, all that stuff happening, going so fast, all those elements and the boost launch in the middle and everything else. You know, you touched upon something there too, that as soon as you got the restraint in place, the lap bar, for example, Velocicoaster, you felt fine. And I've seen that with other people, other guests in the show. There's that sort of when you feel kind of locked in place and secure and it's comfortable and things like that, it's a reassurance and it's sort of like, sort of like that. The other thing I've heard along those lines is that, well, I'm locked in now, I'm committed, so let's just go with it. So yeah. that's sort of kind of related tangentially to the idea of, okay, I'm afraid, but I'm not going to give it too much attention. I'm locked in. I can't go back now. It is what it is. Let's tuck that away. Let's let's have fun now. So that's kind of how that works. Well, thank you for kind of taking us through that journey of what you went through with, with Titan and with Tower of Terror. And again, we've interviewed a number of guests on the show. We always kind of talk to them about what scared them the most. And we've heard different stories, a lot of coasters. I don't know if we've ever had Tower of Terror before. And that makes a lot oh, yeah, of sense. I was, I was, yeah. I was worried it was going to be one that's been said before. And I was like, well, this is going to be boring content. <laughs> oh, no, we've had, well, it's never boring because everyone has a different perspective. Uh, this isn't a repeat as far as I remember. So that that's, you know, it was a good story. Very appropriate for actually what we're going to talk about next, because unlike a lot of theme park attractions, a lot of the ones that have come up before on the show, Tower of Terror is more of one in a, in a special area in that, yeah, it's got the drop right aspect or really the being forced downward and so forth. 
forth. It also is more of a spooky kind of theme. And Mm -hmm. so what I want to talk to you about now is some spooky kind of stuff, some haunt related stuff. Talk to me, given the work that you do, tell me about the process of creating a haunt attraction. Yeah. So creating a haunted attraction, you know, it takes, I would think does take some engineering, but you know, uh, we're not, we're not messing with with G forces here. We're messing with uh, people's imaginations and they're, they're in kind of inherent fears and things like that. You know, the process that goes into it is, you know, uh, a lot of research uh, to begin with, like I kind of go back to what I said about weird Google search histories and stuff like that. So you know, we kind of, uh, the idea is, is really, you know, building this linear path. Well, our haunts are a little bit different where the, sometimes the paths branch off, but it's this like very interesting path that, you know, much like a theme park tries to do, it kind of takes you out of, you know, Florida, wherever you live and transports you into whatever we, we want the story to be. And then the actors are going to be interact with you. And especially at our park where, you know, we are fortunate enough that we don't have to worry about pushing through I'd say the volume of people that a big park like Halloween Horror Nights has to push, push, push through, right? You know, they have millions of people. I don't know the numbers, a lot of people. Anybody right. who's been there knows. <laughs> you know, we while we are very busy, we can send you just you and your group of friends or you and your family or whoever that you're there with through the house and the house is, you know, set up waiting for you. So it's essentially that very intimate kind of like space of you're going through and you're going to get scared because they're all waiting for you. It makes it that much more intense and that much more, in my opinion, fun because, you know, it's at that point, it's more of like an interactive play that you're kind of in, in part of where you're the star and everyone's kind of coming to get you. And it's not you're not part of everybody else that's there. It's like, you know, it's just you and your friends. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I certainly have had that type of experience at Screamageddon where it's just a few people at a time versus the conga lines you see at Halloween Horror Nights or Not Scary Farm or, you know, theme park arts in general. So yeah, having that more intimate, not having all these people around you, it's it's scarier. It's more intense. It's more, seems more real to your point. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So obviously you're doing a lot of research, looking up imagery and, and maybe even researching stories and folklore and whatnot. That makes a lot of sense. But one of the standout experiences for me, and I, I think you guys have something along these lines each year is, yeah, you guys have your traditional mazes that are built that are either indoors or partially walls and stuff. But you have that kind of that trail one where you go along the trail and you parallelically go into like houses and buildings, right? Yeah. For the, the you know, we can probably get into that that in the previous years that was called deadwoods is what that haunt that trail was called. Right. you can't really call it a house because it's in the minutes in the woods this year right. we've taken that one out and we've put something in its place so it's similar outdoor indoor thing oh, and that's, okay. that's and that's our new haunt for this year called bloodwater bayou and that's it's going to be more voodoo themes than just uh, what deadwoods was which was killers in the woods who were scary in their own right but now we've added some some magic to it to make it a little bit more interesting oh that sounds really good that's i, I want to experience that you know with the deadwoods one and i want to be try to be diplomatic here again dade city being kind of in the middle of nowhere in florida we're not talking about <laughs> i want to put this we're not talking about you no know, metropolitan florida not talking about orlando or miami we're talking about people that are some people might live in trailers locally you've kind of got that sort of not as sophisticated people local inhabitants if you will that would probably live in that area a little more rednecky mm-hmm. i guess maybe i could say it that way here i am walking through that deadwoods thing and i guess you probably could have the same sort of scare actors for this uh, this blood bayou thing and i'm walking through and i'm thinking these people that i'm interacting with in these 
on this trail and in these houses and buildings, they could be locals. They could, I I don't know how much they are actors. You know, it it fits in the theme of the area is my point. And that makes it much more genuine and authentic for a lot of people. I'm sure scary. And that's, you know, you don't get that universal, you know, that those are scare actors, you know, that are because of all the the, the IP that they're using and the highly themed stuff. But that's one of the things I really enjoyed about, about Screamageddon. And I'm sure we'll talk more about some of my experiences, you know, how you guys do things differently there, where it's, you're got that flexibility and that sort of level of intimacy, like you said, sending small groups of people through, not just having a conga line. One question I have for you, another question I have for you is what role do you think theme park haunts have or or independent haunts like Screamageddon? What role do you think they have in helping people face fear? Yeah, so that's I think it's a great question because, and I really touched on it earlier, the difference, I think a successful haunted attraction scares people, but doesn't terrify them. Because I think those are two very, diff- those are different words of different definitions in my opinion. And I think that kind of like, much like getting in line for the Tower of Terror or any other, or Titan or any other big rides in, in the world, there is a little bit of apprehension when you are standing in line in, a, in front of a building where there are blood curling screams coming from and you hear chainsaws going off. It's a very like, oh, I don't want to walk into that. That does not sound like a good time. But then the idea where once you go into it, much like how I appreciated the theming inside Tower of Terror, you start walking into these amazing sets. And if it's something, if we're talking about Halloween Horror Nights, that's why I love going to them as a haunt enthusiast is like, I'm not here to get scared. I just want to see what the stuff that they built because it's going to be yep. the best. I work for Screamageddon and stuff like that. They, they obviously are the best. They've got the budget for it, right? Movie right. level budget. So it's just to see like, you know, someone who has an interest in theater, like I, you know, I studied theater in college, going through and seeing like these amazing sets that were built and all of the stuff that goes around it. And then there's the music that they add to it. And it becomes an interactive, I'm a cheesy way of saying it, an interactive movie that you walk through. I say see it more as an interactive play that you walk through. And it's entertainment at that point. And sure, the actors are going to come at you with a knife or something or a stage knife, I should say, and things like that. And there's going to give you that little pop of adrenaline. And then you're going to scream and you're going to, oh, I do, you know, you can't really see me on the podcast, but like hide <laughs> your face or whatever. You, you know, you're going to see your big tough guy friend who is going to get terrified and scream like a girl and, and run down without you, right? You're going to see these different sides of your friends and your family and you're going to all laugh about it. You're going to come up with these like inside jokes and stories much like a good piece of entertainment. And it's just like, it's interactive entertainment. And that's how I see it. And I think it does a good job of kind of removing you from your real life things that are probably scaring you into some, for the next five minutes, we're going to give you some uh, some fantasy to be a little bit spooked about. Right, that's a good point. Obviously balance is important. So talk to me about when you guys are researching and designing a haunt attraction how do you make it just the right amount of scary because obviously you can i mean beyond inflicting pain or actually something like that still there's things you can do where you can really freak people out where it's too much so talk Mm -hmm. to me about how you guys balance that well it's kind of like we learn we we build one haunted house and then we see how it's done and then we you know how people react to it and then we kind of for the next one because we kind of learn from one to one to one and we kind of we survey a lot of our guests about like hey what did you like what you didn't like and as well as we we walk through stuff and ideas in our head look a lot different after we build it and we put an actor in there and they perform you know their part and when it's just one note all the time we find that it's not it gets old really quickly because at the end of the day, like this is a haunted house. It's meant to scare you, but part of you knows that guy running at that clown running at me with the knife is not going to stab me. They're not even going to touch me because they can't. Well, 
That's a, that's a different thing for us. Well, but, that's a whole nother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you've agreed to that. It's the kind of the, the, you know, like any good piece of, like I said, entertainment, it's going to have your ebbs and your flows. We kind of just study our own haunts and then we, we go visit other independent haunts and we see what they're doing in terms of balance and pacing within, within a haunted house. So we're now a lot of our, the new haunts that we build, we put in humor and we put in things to kind of break it up for a split second. You're more quite, you're like you said, you're, you're laughing at what's happening, not being scared or uh, right. screaming or something like that. And therefore, cause like at, at the end of the day, for me personally, when a person exits the haunted house, the, the emotion I went under them is laughing and talking to their friends. I don't want them. I don't want to see anybody crying. I don't want to see anybody like stricken white with fear because we want them to come back. You know what I mean? So right, right. <laughs> we want them to have a good time. That idea of kind of putting in jokes and putting in maybe a character that's, he may look scary, but he may have a funny line that's kind of out of left field. And we had a lot of fun with that. And our, the new haunt that we put on, we were able to put on last year, even despite COVID and everything. We still put on a new haunt last year with Raven Hill Asylum, and we were able to put a lot of fun. I don't want to spoil anything that happens in the house, but there's there's definitely one part of there that's going to make you go, wait, what's going on right now? This is not, am I in a haunted house or am I somewhere else? <laughs> kind of make people laugh and have a good time. Kind of everything that goes on from then on, want to create that effect. Right. That makes sense. So so really, you know, you're balancing things, but not only not necessarily making things too, too scary, but you're having humor in the attraction itself, in the maze itself to kind of balance that's interesting and and you make a you, you make a good point as well that you don't want even with scary stuff you don't want it to be monotonous you don't want the same scare throughout because then people are going to be expecting it and they're going to get even bored with it you want to you know have some variety so you guys aim for that that makes a lot of sense there is another aspect of stream again that i already wanted to talk to you about and you already alluded to it so let, let's let's go there let's unpack this the uh, thousand pound gorilla here again a lot of our audience may have not experienced a lot in independent haunts now with theme park haunts usually now knots again they have done some very interesting things over the years but for the most part theme park haunts there are certain rules and these rules are for the guests and for the scare actors and one of those of course it's all around safety one of those is the scare actors don't touch you and you don't touch them and in fact and that's very serious in either case the scare actor would lose their job or worse uh, and if the get if a guest touches a scare actor and these things have happened i've heard of people punching clowns and, and you know if you do anything touching or hitting a scare actor you're done you're ejected. Yeah, so it's very, you know, for safety reasons, because we all, we're, everyone's human. We got to, we got to treat each other respectfully and not hurt each other. However, independent haunts and certainly Screamageddon is known for having exceptions to that rule with consent. And I have certainly experienced this myself in 2019, where, you know, at least some of your, your houses, some of your haunts, your mazes, you can opt to wear like basically a necklace. And that is giving the scare actors, it's advising them as you're going through whatever the attraction is, that you have opted in to allow more interactive type experience. For example, I remember one of the, I think, more permanent buildings you guys have there is a is like a jail. And mm -hmm. I forget what the exact theming was in 2019 for this, but it's not like a medieval jail, basically. And I remember I opted in, my friend and I did, and we got grabbed by one of the scare actors actually a couple times and thrown in a jail cell in the middle. And they were telling us what to do and, you know, for a couple minutes and they let us go. But it was just more real that way. It's more immersive that way. It's funny. There's laughter too. And then I remember you guys had another one, which was kind of like a well kind of uh in certain ways may hail too close to home for people now sadly unfortunately but you know kind of a virus themed one where you know like zombies and people in body bags and you were people could opt in to go inside the be put in the body bags 
And that, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah. We, we were very happy that we had made the decision to get rid of the, because after 2019, we made a decision to get rid of that, that zombie one that was basically based around infection. So right. we had made that prior to COVID becoming a thing. We were very happy that we did that because that would have been, yeah. we probably we would not have been able to open that. That would have been in very poor taste. Yeah. But you're right. So yeah, Screamageddon, we... We have two houses that we call our interactive houses where, like you said, you wear a necklace and you give our actors permission to include you in the show is what we say is you at that point, you will get a very intimate reception from our actors where they will take you away from your group. They will put you in a jail cell. They'll put you by yourself with an actor in a room. It's yeah, it's, it's an intense experience. Like, but it's it's something that I always recommend to people. And that's not just because I worked there. Because I, I went to Screamageddon before I was an employee, just as a haunt enthusiast, because I heard about this interactive stuff that they were doing. Right. And I went, I did it. And I was like, this is, because like, again, it goes back to the idea of like, I see haunted houses as like a theater show. And at that point you're like taken backstage not really in real life backstage, but like you're going to see something that your friends aren't seeing and you're going to have interaction one-on-one with this actor and he's going to improv. We, you know, we put our best actors in those imp- in those positions because they have to improv so much with the guests that are there. And you get these really interesting one-on-one like where it makes that you can go through our the, the Blackpool prison or Raven Hill Asylum or two interactive houses as uh, multiple times because you're not going to see everything through, uh, the first time. And right. it's kind of more of like there's behind the scenes, there's extra extra scenes in the movie that you aren't seeing if you just take the main path. And again, a lot of it does kind of go back to at the end of the day, you're going to get scared when, you, when someone grabs your shoulders and starts moving you away from your friends. That's going to get really scary, really intense, really quick. But once you're in it, much like moving on the, the ride, the adrenaline's going to start kicking in and you're going to see how much fun it is to interact with one of these uh, creatures or uh, monsters that we got cooking up in these in these uh, attractions. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, as someone, again, that doesn't get scared easily. Not that I would say I got like scared or some, you know, anything like that in, in, the, in these interactive attractions you're talking about. It's just, I love the higher level of immersion. It's more entertaining. Normally a scare actor, they don't talk much. You know, you don't see them much. You see them for a few seconds where here they're engaged you in conversation. They're, in, you know, in character, of course. And there's this higher level of appreciation for scare actors with, with those yeah. interactions. And also to your point, you alluded to this towards the beginning of our interview, uh, you know, for example, the Blackpool prison, especially if you opt in with the interactive aspect, you're not going to see the the same things everyone else does. You're going on a different path, a short, short cutting and you know, I remember they were telling you, oh, yeah, go this way, go this way. They were kind of directing us. It was almost like a maze with multiple paths, So it's, it's which is cool. It's not, again, like the conga line at Universal where you go through the whole thing the same way. Yeah, and I, I would say for, again, anyone, audience that's listening, if you crave that sort of more edgy horror haunt, you know, if you love Not Scary Farm and you're here in Florida, go to Scream Again because you're, you're not going to get that more edgy stuff at Universal or probably at Howl Scream and things like that. You know, at SeaWorld and Bush. But if you go to Scream Again, which is, you know, we're not far from Bush Gardens, you're going to get that more edgy thing. And again, as a fan of Not Scary Farm, but not living near Not Scary Farm anymore, Scream Again is sort of my like my mini Not Scary Farm for me with even some some nuances like this interactive stuff, which is great. So actually, that kind of transitions well into a good segue into my next question, which is for myself and other fans of Scream Again or people that are maybe going to check it out because they're heard about it here today. 
You already mentioned the Blood Bayou, but is there anything else you'd want to like to share with our audience about what they can expect this year? Yeah, so uh, yeah, Bloodwater Bayou is our brand new haunt for 2021. Uh, take everything you loved about the Deadwoods attraction, and then with all of our everything new that we've learned, it's going to be even better. I can't wait for it. But I also in it's something other kind of unique that we offer is our kind of add-on experience, which is called Zombie Paintball Assault. It is a uh, we're a haunted house park, but this is not an attraction that I would call it a scary attraction. It's a it's a fun attraction, and it's where you kind of you and your friends will get on a on a bus that's mounted with paintball guns, and you then get to shoot zombies as you kind of drive through the woods and uh, or you've driven through the woods, I should say, and get kind of get to bring the scaring to the the monsters instead of the monsters scaring you. So it's a really nice again to go with ebbs and flows in the haunted haunted house. It's a really great kind of break in all of like the scaring to have an you know a, a, one of the attractions kind of be more funny and a whole different type of vibe to it. You know, it's like people aren't scared of the zombies on that, on that bus. You know, they're scared of you type of deal. Interesting. Yeah. I think it was because of lack of time. I didn't do the zombie paintball when I went there two years ago, but I definitely want to do it this year. because It looks fun. And I, I like paintball. And it seems like to me, part of what the zombie paintball is, is it can be at least for some people is a little bit of stress relief where they can like, you know, yeah. shoot it people, right? One of the things I wonder about, again, having not experienced the zombie paintball, actually going on the bus and doing it yet, what kind of armor are the the actors wearing there? What are we talking about? Yeah, so they, they, are, they are decked out because obviously they they get lit up with these paintballs. Yeah. Uh, they have, they have a, you know, full body armor from head to toe. They wear paintball masks over underneath. There's, you know, their zombie makeup and masks that they got going on there. Uh, yeah, we're just recovering like traditional paintball gear. You know, we hire people that have a little bit maybe a little of a paintball background. So they're kind of used to the paintball feeling. And then we've also given them uh, cover. So after, you know, after they get lit up by a couple, you know, a lot of paintballs, they generally like, you know, fall down behind a crate or something. And then they're pretty much hidden at that point. So they won't continue to be lit up after they are dead after being dead again, you know. <laughs> so they'll get a break and then they'll pop back up after they get a break for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So like bus comes through, they get shot and they, they act, they do their part. And these these zombies, and especially as we've done it throughout, because the, the first year was 2019 and we did it that year. I'm pretty sure it was 2019. And then we've iterated on it. And where we've made it, we've given the zombies more, uh, like, hey, if they have a funny idea or even if it doesn't make sense for a zombie to do, it's funny. Like, remember last year we had a zombie playing drums on something and he was having <laughs> fun playing drums while he was getting lit up with paintballs. So, like, every time that I go on that ride, it's a new cast. So, like, then the zombies are doing all sorts of crazy weird stuff. And, again, it kind of adds to, to the levity of it. And, yeah, it's, I think it's a stress reliever. I mean, when you get to shoot a living thing that's dead, but done in a really entertaining way. Definitely recommend it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people can do paintball. I've, I've done regular kind of paintball, competitive paintball before, and you get to shoot at people. But in this case, you're shooting at someone that's not going to shoot back at you, and, and they're being portrayed as an enemy, and it's kind of in, in character like that. So it's a unique experience. Like I said, I definitely want to experience it. So I got to ask as a guy, like I'm assuming all the males, like they're wearing cups and stuff. Like this is like full on protection, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the, they, they, we like to joke that they are, they're the actors that are, you know, they have the most protection from anybody and then that right. entire place because they are, you know, they're getting lit up. So they, they definitely, they, I'm assuming that they do. I have not personally checked it out, but, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but right. if not, that's probably something we should look into. Right. If they don't do it the first night, 
right, they're going to do it the next right. Exactly. Yeah. So have you heard any interesting stories from any of those those actors, like from a given you know evening, or do they enjoy it, or how how are they receiving it? You know, I know they're getting paid for it, obviously. Yeah, and it's funny. Uh, I remember when I I went out there to do some some filming some filming for our social media, and I went out there like, all right, I'm gonna these people are probably not going to be in a good mood. They've been, this is like three weeks into the season. So like sometimes a little bit of attrition kind of builds at that point. So right. I remember, I remember getting, going back there and they were, they were having a, having a ball. They were so stoked to be doing it because like I said, we let them kind of create on it we let them go out and if they have a funny idea, they run it by the, the, the manager of the attraction and he approves it. And they go out and they get to do, they get to maybe have some more improv that maybe some of the actors in the traditional houses don't get because they have lines and, you know, timing. It's like, you know, you, you have to say these three lines. And at this time when a guest is, you know, the art of the right. stage type of thing. So these guys get to have a little bit of fun and creative, you know, they, whatever, you know, they get a lot as much as they put into it. I've heard, I've heard funny stories where one guy was telling me that somehow he, he snuck it. He was able to kind of sneak closer to the bus than any, anybody else that he got like very close to the bus. And then the people started screaming because they didn't see that guy coming from the right. Cause they were all focused on the zombies in the left. And he had a lot of fun getting up close to him and all that kind of stuff like that. So, you know, cause every run of the zombie thing is a little bit different. Right. You know, things like that. That's really cool. Now I'm even more intrigued. I definitely got to do it this year. That's awesome. Again, you guys are in independent haunts you don't have the budget of you know knots or universal or whatnot but you guys do some creative things and some really you know like like we're just talking about zombie paintball and doing the interactive stuff where do you think being someone that's passionate about haunts and being involved with this industry for a while now where do you think you see theme park haunts going over say the next five to ten years how are they going to change yeah it's like i guess i, I should speak on I, I think where the theme park haunt scenes going is kind of really what you see at universal with is like it's like ip driven you know they're going to go and they're right gonna, they're which I, as a fan of like horror stuff i love you know it's like great give me a haunted house space in the latest horror movie that's gonna be really cool but whereas obviously you know we as scrimmageddon we don't have we can't get the rights to friday the 13th or stranger things or whatever netflix shows coming out next right so right. we have to get really creative and i'm not putting not saying that what they do is easy because it's not but it's right. it's a it's a different type of thing where we get to kind of double down on the the i think haunts are going to start really doubling down on immersion aspects, finding new ways, new, new technology, new techniques, and new building to make people feel more invested, like, because emotionally, maybe even it's not that we're going to give like some like big dramatic story, but it's like, we can focus on taking a person and transporting them into our space on a more one-to-one -one level, like with, with what we do with our interactive attractions. And I, I could definitely see the inter, inter, the interactive thing gaining in popularity because at first it's a little shocking, but then once you see it in action, like, oh, it's not really not that bad. Like, obviously nobody's getting hurt. You know, nobody's our actors aren't going to rough you around on purpose or they're not. So it's not like that. It's just that idea that touch is really interesting. And it really adds a whole layer of fear and tension to the attraction that you don't get at a place that legally can't do that. Right. That's a good point. And, and just for our audience, I want to make clear because there are various experiences out there. Screamageddon, again, you can opt in. It's optional. 
but by default, you won't get touched. It'll be like being at Universal or Howl of Scream or Not Scary Farm or whatnot. It's going to be hands-off from both sides. You, But if you opt in optionally to wear the necklace, yeah, they're are they going to touch you? Yeah, they might grab you and put you in a jail cell or something or put you in a body bag, but there's not going to be any uncomfortability, you know, physical pain or anything like that. You know, there are certainly, this is certainly beyond where I would want to go. There are experiences, like I go, I don't know the guy's last name, but there's, I think his name is Jeff. He's famous. He used to operate out of San Diego. I think maybe he moved, but where he was doing this opt-in haunted house experience where even pain is inflicted on people. And again, to each their own, I'm not going to judge. To be clear, Screamageddon is still fun. It's safe. It's just a little more interactive is the way I'd put it. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with the guy you're talking about. I, I don't yeah. remember his name, but I he, he's yeah. definitely infamous. And, and I'm, from my understanding, not kind of well liked within the independent haunt community because right you know it's like you know like like again we're we are places trying to scare you but we want you to have fun right where this guy who knows right we're, anyway that's yeah. a different topic but right <laughs> but yeah, you're 100 right like the interactive is to add immersion it's not to add anything more than that right makes sense so one kind of my one of my last questions we always ask all our guests i'm talking about fear and facing fear and the benefits of of going to you know theme parks and haunts certainly is there any final advice you'd like to give our audience given that we talked about today? Yeah, I guess I probably kind of harp on what we talked about earlier is that idea of kind of just get yourself on the on the machine or in the haunted house case, you know, just step through the front door and just and then just kind of go with it. Small chance you don't enjoy yourself, but you're not going to be in and in a worse state than it's not going to make you, it's not going to be worse. I, I would say, and lo, and all of these things are designed to, for fun and to keep that in mind, whether, like I said, haunted house, roller coaster, drop tower, whatever you want, they're designed, they're designed for you to have fun and for you to come back so, because we want people, we love what we love when people come back for a second year or a third year. And they're like, Oh yeah, I remember I love this house last year. I'm, I'm really excited about this house. And like, we love those, you know, repeat people on a conceptual level, obviously on a financial level, we love it, but it's like, I love seeing the same people who come back year in, year out. Cause I'm like, Oh, I remember you. And I remember you and your friends and blah, 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 blah. And, and it's like, that's how the, these things are designed to do that. So to focus on the idea that they're meant, you're meant to have fun on inside or on them. Absolutely. No, good point. Uh, last thing I'd like you to do, Winston, is if you could go ahead and whether it be for you personally or for Screamageddon or both, share mm -hmm. the social, share the website. How can people find out about Screamageddon and get tickets and what the dates are, you know, everything? Yeah. So everything, all, uh, hours that were open, ticketing and sign up for our newsletter, all that type of stuff is just pretty simply at screamageddon.com. Follow us on pretty much all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And we, you know, promote, we like, we like to do different contests on Facebook to kind of people that we have there to give out free tickets and things like that. So all of the, the big social medias, you can follow us there. But the the home base is definitely screamageddon.com and all the information is there. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, also, we'll be sure to put the uh, the website and so forth. And, uh, you know, the links you just mentioned, we'll put that in our show notes so that the our listeners can, uh, can find it that way. Well, Winston, thank you so very much. I appreciate what you guys do as a horror fan and love the interactivity. I love the edgier haunts Screamageddon offers and excited to do it this year and every year after. So thank you. Thank you for letting me on the show. This was a blast. Thank you, Winston. And thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate how a lot of these uh, Fright Fests or their haunted mazes or drive-through mazes are kind of going with the way of 
giving the people a control over their surroundings. For me, that's like huge because it really is a, I have control still of where I'm going, what I'm doing, who's coming up to me, who isn't coming up to me. It really helps, I think, with my anxiety and my empath of being around people because I pick up on everybody else's emotions. So I can't decipher like what I'm actually feeling versus what somebody else is feeling so for me that is like a huge huge thing I think, and, what, I, think what I like about Winston's interview is that Scream Again the people can be involved in the storyline right so it's a great role play example where you are part of the adventure and you have to wear a special lidded necklace around your neck to show that the actors know who can be involved because they literally grab you. They literally throw you in a jail. They literally put you in a body bag. They really make you feel part of the experience. So it's all part of the role play experience, which a lot of parks can't really do, but they Lots do it. Very far- can, can kind of do it. I mean, they've talked about it um, in the previous interviews with Mr. Tucker saying, you know, how they kind of involved the guests. guests into certain things. I mean, even with that, I mean, they were saying they have a safe word and stuff like that. But it does, it gives... For those people that are looking for that ultimate thrill of like, I want to be a part of this, it does give them that choice of, okay, here... Go ahead and kidnap me from my group. Do whatever you're going to do. Go ahead and put me in that body bag. Go ahead and throw me in that jail cell. I mean, put me in with some crazy, crazy nuts and stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's what's... A lot of people out there, they like that. They like being involved in that. They want to be like it's part of... They want to be part of that act. They want to be part of that adventure. And so I think that's very rare because I don't see a lot of places that do that. But Scream Again down in Florida gives you that opportunity. Right. And I think it's awesome that they're, they've hired on the scare actors that know what it feels like to be shot with paintball guns. So, like, it's not a... You shoot them, and they're like, ow, oh, oh, this hurts, this hurts, I can't do it anymore, you know? Yeah. They know what it feels like they've And actually, you know, Scream, Scream Again is the first one I've ever heard of that actually involves paintball, where you can shoot the zombies. Right. So I think that's kind of cool, because I've not heard of any other, even independent haunts places offer paintball we know laser tag yes but paintball is a first right so but anyway this was a really good episode and i really want to thank winston for coming on and sharing with us about scream again and uh hope you guys if you're down in the florida area definitely go down and give them some love and check it out i think it's really gonna be real awesome plus when i also go down to florida i might want to check that out as well but anyway guys well, anyway we're having a really good week i hope you guys have a great weekend but justin how can our listeners find us on social media if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to see more from us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links in the description. Thank you, Justin. Yes, guys, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to follow us on all the social media uh, channels that we have. We're on just about every social media platform you can find. And uh, just make sure to, if you have any comments, make sure to send us an email at CoasterChallengeUSA at gmail.com. Thank you, guys. It's been a great episode. We got another exciting one next week, so make sure to tune in. And until then, this is David Cantu. This is Jenna Gazelle. And we'll see you all next week right here on Coaster Challenge.